Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So some of you know that the mayor of Phoenix and I had a little bet. Uh. <laughs> and we won, of course. Without a doubt. But the Wilson Basketball um, Company that has its offices literally right across the street also got in on the action. And I just want to say they've come through in a big way. They have pledged to give 100 basketballs to a Chicago public school of the, of the sky's choosing. So thank you, Wilson. Tony up, Tony up, Tony up, Tony up, going on everybody 100 basketballs place prize that, that that that's the that, the head prize 100 basketballs first prize we first prize we leave you alone and we don't <laughs> thank you mayor oh mayor lightfoot 100 basketballs to one school what about the other schools <laughs> They don't get basketball. Sorry, <laughs> loser. Yeah, that high school's theater production that year, 12 Angry Basketballs. Get ready. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, no basketballs for you. Oh, come on, please, Mayor. Nope. Uh-uh. You got to be nice to the mayor. Then we'll give you a basketball. Mm. How's it going, everybody? We're live. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, October 26th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union are sponsors, as well as Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. Subscribe to the paper as well. You'll get columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky and so much more. And you can become a bin head. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V is in victory. S-K-Y. Oh, my God. I got to gotta get the right intro song going. Ben, how was your weekend? Good weekend? Mm-hmm. I had a good week. I can't hear the intro song anyway. By the way, we should, we should have done this in a pre-show production meeting. <laughs> Once again, the uh, we was working for a while. I could hear the songs, and you know, now now I can't hear the songs. Oh, so. that's great! That is great. <laughs> that may be a, that may be on my end. Let me see if I could fix that. Uh, Here we go. I like end. it when he fixes things. Uh, right. While you're fixing, can I tell you about my laptop? <laughs> go ahead. Did you hear that? Well, yes, I heard that. It's right. working again. All right, let's try the music. I'll hold off on the breaking news about my laptop. Well, we got to wait for the music to load. So. Oh, my- well, I just want to let everybody know my laptop's doing a remote. It's doing, yes, my laptop has gone to Kentucky. Apparently, uh, it's my laptop's way of saying, hey, boomer, a laptop's a millennial thing. Stay away. I bought a laptop. They assured me that it was perfect for podcasting. And what happened? My microphone. Uh-oh, who's calling me? Oh, this is just <laughs> an intro for the ages. <laughs> oh, Lord. <sighs> Anyway, the laptop, the microphone blew out the laptop, D. 
And then I, we took it into a technician, the Geek Squad. And the Geek Squad's scratching his head. Hmm. Uh, we have to t- send it down to Kentucky. So I'm back at the old PCD. <laughs> the, the laptop's in Kentucky. Oh, that's so I just right. want to give you that update on my laptop. That's okay. And of course, <laughs> what do we say about our Sky Team? What do we say about them? Oh, <laughs> that was so awesome, Bert. Go check out our uh, Oh, What a Week, uh, if you haven't yet. Uh, uh, if you don't know what happened last week in Chicago and Illinois politics, well, you're going to find out. Go check that out. Oh, What a Week, uh, with that Chicago Sky performance there from uh, J.B. Pritzker, Lori Lightfoot, and so much more. Hey, the Ben Jarofsky Show starts right and now. Yeah, Michael Girardi, great show so far, as he says. <laughs> All right, dude. It is Tuesday, October 26th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. <laughs> Today on the program, it's a city council synopsis with our good friend, Mr. Bike. Oh, and Mr. City Council, Dave Glowatz. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this No Bright One Tuesday, and here's why. Because I don't have a bright one. Yes, indeed. In addition to my laptop being in Kentucky, I didn't get the bright one home delivered today. Jeez. Like it always is. You were having you know, a day. I'm having a rough day. I had, as everybody knows, I get three papers delivered every day. Tribune, Sun-Times, uh, and the New York Times. This morning, when I woke up bright and early, got up at the crack of 10 o'clock. I went down to my front porch and found the Tribune and the New York Times with no bright one. And I'm starting to think it's punishment for me. Yes, last week for the Reader's Newsletter, I wrote a opinion column ripping the Sun-Times for their horrific coverage of the sky, giving all that attention to the Chicago Bears. I think they're punishing me, D. Cool. Mr. You Have Opinions, huh? Well, let's see how you do without your bright one. Well, now you're assuming that they actually read and listen to (laughs) things you do. I don't know. It's a valid point. Hadn't thought of that. Hadn't thought of that. A, they have to listen. And B, then they have to be like so organized that they can figure out how to punish me. So, you know, you may, you know, they, you raise a valid yeah. point. If I've learned anything, unless someone's saying bullshit on our program, they're not listening or reading anything. <laughs> Wait a minute. You said bullshit on our program? <laughs> oh, my God. Quick. <laughs> Let's put that in the t- newspaper. Yes, Kim Fox, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it was a while ago that she said that in the midst of a heated campaign. She said bullshit. And the Sun-Times reported it. <laughs> That's how we made the Sun-Times. Anyway, Sun-Times, please put, print as much bare news as you want. I take it all back. Just bring back the paper. All right. And in the past, the, when the Sun-Times hasn't come, I've got the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, that was a nice little switcheroo. Somebody got my Sun-Times. I got their Wall Street Journal. Well, that didn't happen today. So I don't know about my Tesla. you got to follow Tesla. Anyway. 
Bears. Bears got crushed. What did I do this weekend? Yeah, I watched the fourth quarter. It was weird. I didn't watch uh, much of the Bears game. I was doing things, this, that, and the other thing. But uh, when I heard they were losing 35, I don't know. It's like the this weird uh, perversion took over, and I wanted to watch this wreck. So that's when I turned the game on, and it was absolutely, utterly an abominable performance in every way by the Chicago Bears. And let me remind you, this is the same Chicago Bears team. That's got its big Chicago Bears paw uh, out looking for a handout, someone to build their stadium. And it's funny because the newspapers the next day were filled with articles about, you know, the progress, the effort to build, take care of the Bears, build them a stadium. Dave Roeder, good friend of ours from the Chicago Sun-Times, wrote an opinion column saying, don't rule out Soldier Field, ladies and gentlemen. They may stay in Soldier Field. And the Tribune wrote how Arlington Heights, <laughs> funny man. The mayor of Arlington Heights gets he's feeling a little pressure, says we've not made uh, any. We've not decided if we're going to give a public subsidy to the Bears. You know, we have to study it. I mean, yeah, I read that. And I laughed. Folks out in Arlington Heights, I'm going to assure you of this. And when I say this, I'm not privy to anything other than 40 years of watching government in action in Illinois, particularly in Chicago. But I guarantee you right now, the only way the Chicago Bears are going to move to Arlington Heights is if Arlington Heights gives them money in the form of a subsidy to build that stadium. So when your mayor tells you, oh, we haven't decided whether we're going to give a subsidy. Well, that's probably news to the Bears. They're like, "Um, let me explain this to you, Arlington Heights. Do you think we want to come to Arlington Heights? We don't want to come to Arlington Heights. We just want your money. Taxpayers of Arlington Heights. Man, I tell you what. I tell you what, this guy's in Arlington Heights been studying Chicago. When it comes to handouts, this is how Chicago does it. First they go, well, we haven't decided if we're going to give a handout. Then they give them the handout, and then they pretend it's not really a handout. Well, it's not really technically a handout to the Bears. It's for infrastructure. And people think, like, when you use the word infrastructure, like Chicagoans, their heads start nodding. Oh, infrastructure must be good if it's infrastructure. Like, infrastructure is building a bridge you need. Because cars travel over it and the bridge is falling apart. Infrastructure is like repairing a road that's crumbling. You know, like sidewalks that people use. Infrastructure is not building a stadium that nobody needs. That's not infrastructure. That's a handout to the Bears. I'm following this far. You know, D, originally I said, I don't care. Arlington Heights, do whatever you want. But I have to admit, those days are over. I'm now following this. I'm like, will Arlington Heidians? I think that's Heidians. We've had this discussion, D, and someone told me what it was, and I forgot. It's Heidians or Arlingtonians, one or the other. Will Arlingtonians <laughs> prove to be as dumb and gullible as Chicagoans? At first, I said, no way. Not Arlington Heidians. They're really smart. But now I'm starting to think, uh-oh, <laughs> I see it when the mayor goes, well, we haven't decided we're all studying things. Yeah, right. <laughs> you think the Bears? What, what Arlington Heights? You think the Bears just said, you know, Arlington Heights is such a lovely suburb. We want to go there. And we don't even need any money to go there because it's so pretty, particularly in the fall. It is really pretty. Have you ever been to Arlington Heights? Yeah, I rode my bike there. I went to Arlington Lake, hung out a bit. I didn't. You rode your bike all the way to Arlington Heights? Yes, I remember. Yes, sir. Yeah, by the way, I'm um, going to shatter the uh, fourth wall. Shh. 
back during the COVID, Dennis would be riding his bike all over. He rode to Wisconsin, ladies and gentlemen. I remember he called me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sent me a picture. It said was like Kenosha, Kenosha County. I was like, "What are you doing up there, man?" Rode my bike. Man, we were all doing weird things in the early days of the pandemic. Well, riding a bike was a weird. Well, I mean, riding all the way to Kenosha. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, two other people on the live stream chat said they didn't get their uh, trip, uh, their Sun Times either. Whoa! Did did they write nasty things about the Bear Sometimes Bears <laughs> coverage in their newsletter? I wonder if it's like a conspiracy. <laughs> the bright one is breaking down, ladies and gentlemen, as we speak. <laughs> Can't get its newspaper out. It's it's us suckers who pay for the whole thing with their subscription and they're not even giving us our newspaper. HM Chicago and Bruce Bruce did not get their Sun Times today. HM, what up? Anyway, so uh, so I'm feeling a little better in a weird kind of way. Yes, their pain is relieving me of my guilt. I thought, oh my God, they're punishing me. <laughs> By the way, folks, if you didn't see the con, it was wretched. I mean, the Bears, they, the Bears were absolutely awful in a game against Green Bay, and the Sun-Times gave nine pages. Nine pages. The Sky wins the world championship. They get one page. Like, how is does that make any sense? Anyway, where was I? Arlington Heights, you're paying for the Bears. I'm telling you that. If the Bears come to Arlington Heights, you're paying for it. What else is in the news? Oh, always entertaining. Johnny C, Johnny Catanzara. I didn't get the bright one, but I got the Tribune. They have, they're trying to keep up with the Sun-Times and giving Johnny Catanzara coverage. You know, Sun-Times for the longest time own the Catanzara beat. Like a day. So you have some days where like five pictures of John Catanzara. In the Sun-Times. Looking very dapper and handsome, by the way. Anyway, now the Tribune's picking up on it. They have three reporters working in the story. Cat and Zara, quote, it is not a queen on that throne. John Cat and Zara speaking to the city council, urging city council members to pass legislation that would strip Lori Lightfoot of the, pro- the power to unilaterally force Chicago municipal employees to be vaccinated, particularly police. That's what he's concerned about. Very interesting showdown, D. I'm all over the map on this one. On one hand, I I just, any kind of resistance in the city of Chicago, anything, fills me with a certain thrill. You get what I'm saying? Anytime anybody dares to criticize a mayor, I'm like, yeah. I like it to see when a little spunk and spark in people. So Johnny C., you know, I kind of welcome that. On the other hand, what a cause. This is it. This is your crusade? And they, and they don't even, they're not even making you get the shot. They're making you fill out a form. <laughs> we will not fill out that form. D, how many forms do we have to fill out? I mean, when we, we were at the Sun-Times, did we have to fill out a bunch of forms and sign things? And, what, to like get know, in the building? Yeah, to get the building. Oh, my God. The, the little badge and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's life is filling out forms. But, I, you know, I don't like filling them out. You go to the doctor or the dentist, you got to fill out all those forms. So you got to fill out a form. Did you get the shot? No. Yes. If you, That's it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that Johnny C, he's going down with that. It is not a queen on that throne. The other thing he did is, and, and this, this is already working. He's done this in the past. John Canzer is the head of Fraternal Order of Police. He's put a threat 
to Alderman. He says, we're coming after you. You don't vote our way in the city council on this all important issue to them. We're going to run candidates against you. And I, and he, that's, he's taking control essentially of Alderman in the Northwest side and the Southwest side. You could see it. You could see it in the way they're reacting to legislation and uh, the way they're responding on this particular issue. You see Ed Burke, 14th Ward. He's afraid that Catanzaro will run someone against him. Uh, Sylvania Tabaras in the 23rd Ward. Yeah, she's concerned that Catanzaro will run someone against him. I think uh, even old Marty Quinn in the 13th. Michael Joseph Madigan's Ward. You know, Michael Joseph Madigan has receded from power. And so he's a little worried. So, uh, you know, I mean, D, it's power. Power politics. Chicago welcomes power politicians and they love cat and Sarah. It is not a queen on that throne. Donnie C taking a strong stand. What else? What else is in the news? Mm. Illinois general assembly getting ready to vote on a new congressional map, man. They screwed up the first one. They, I mean, they have just screwed up this congressional map every which way you can look at it. We got to bring on an expert to talk about it. Again, redistricting happens every 10 years after a census. You have to rebalance all the districts so they all have roughly the same number of people in them. You can't have one district with more people than another district because that automatically implies that the the district with less people has more representation. Even though we have that system for electing presidents with an electoral college system. So, yes, we are very inconsistent, folks, in how we run our government. So every man, one man, one vote when it comes to state legislators, but Wyoming (laughs) 10 votes, California one vote when it comes to presidents. Hey man, I didn't, don't blame me. I didn't come up with this, but anyway, so uh, the redistricting and Democrats are, you know, they're, they're stumbling on this one right now. They really are right now. And I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think it's 13 to five. 18 districts, congressional districts in the state of Illinois, 13 are Democratic and five are Republican. And the map that they uh, came up with, I think it was, uh, oh, God, was it uh, 14 to three or something like that? And they put Marie Newman in the same district as Sean Kasten, two congressmen. Mm, Not a good idea. They're trying to figure it out. You really want to punish the Republicans because you have to compensate for the way Republicans are punishing Democrats in Texas. We're going to bring Jason Lee on to talk about that. They're really going after Democrats in Texas. But but here in Illinois, the Democrats are like afraid to come right out and say that they're gerrymandering. You know, they're like, they're playing a game by a different set of rules. So they're afraid to say, they pretend like it's a fair map. It's not a fair map. The, ma- the whole point of it is to maximize your political advantage. If we're having a fair map, then we would have a national f- law mandating how all congressional districts are drawn. But we don't have that. It's each state for himself. But that's the weird thing about the difference between Republicans and Democrats. Republicans make no pretense that they're playing a political game. They're looking to win and they'll use anything that to their advantage. And that they break all rules, violate, uh, are uh, are inconsistent in what they proclaim, say one thing, do another thing. They don't care. But Democrats feel this compulsion to like show it's a fair map. We're playing by the rules. Listen to my interview with Chris Welch, Speaker of the House. Very clear. It's a fair map. We're being very fair, he said. 
as opposed to saying, yeah, we're squeezing all the Republicans into two districts to screw them over. Just like the Republicans are doing the Democrats in Texas. You don't like it in Texas? Then pass a federal law, Republicans. So anyway, that's what's going on right now. I was curious to see. We're going to bring someone on to talk about that. What else? What else? What else? Oh, yes. I'm getting uh, voluminous amounts of emails from Glenn Youngkin, who's the Republican running uh, for governor in uh, Virginia. Getting a little nervous about that. Running against Terry McAuliffe, neck and neck, according to the polls. Terry McAuliffe, of course, the Democrat. Duncan is a uh, Republican, a uh, Trumpster. Yeah, I saw Obama ads like, uh-oh, it's not going good for this guy. You got yeah. Obama oh, coming uh, in. Yeah, they got to bring in Obama. <laughs> oh, got, get, clean this up. Uh, got to bring in Obama. Yeah, it's always it's a little nervous. You get a little nervous when they bring in Obama. Because that's an indication things are rough. I'm not quite sure why. Very peculiar voting habits uh, by people in the United States of America. Very peculiar voting habits indeed. It was just what? Was it even a year ago? Was it a year ago? Yeah, about a year ago, roughly a year ago. Uh, voters in Virginia ousted, voted against Donald Trump, voted uh, for Joe Biden. They considered Donald Trump a threat to uh, the sanctity of this country, safety of this country. And now here we go. They're turning right around about ready to vote in a Trumpster. As their governor makes no sense at all. Like what has happened in a year that has turned you from anti-Trump to pro-Trump? And Youngkin's like not concealing his MAGA tendencies. The one difference is that he's actively encouraging, as I pointed out already, a vote early effort. He wants Republicans to vote early, vote by mail, which is complete contradiction of what Donald Trump stood for. And complete contradiction of the Republican assertion that voting by mail is somehow corrupt. But again, like I said, Republicans aren't worried about looking like hypocrites. So it's neck and neck. And the word out of uh, Virginia is that Democrats are tired. And they're just worn out. That's why they got to bring in Obama D to fire them up. And it's just that's another curious thing. Why is it that Democrats are the only ones who get tired? Republicans never get tired. I don't get that one at all. Anyway, so it's neck and neck. That'll be that election's next uh, Tuesday. Uh, I'm really hoping that Terry McAuliffe wins. I don't really have much in common with Terry McAuliffe. He's a centrist Democrat. And I'm really frustrated with centrist Democrats at the time. But I don't know, compared to MAGA, a little less scary. And finally, I'll close with this. Parental notification, that's in the news. Uh, whether uh, we should change the law in the state of Illinois to allow uh, teenagers uh, the right to get an abortion without uh, notifying their parents. Terry Cosgrove's been on the show many times for personal pack advocating for it. I'm a big believer. I'm for it. If you're for, if you're for a woman's right to choose, uh, I believe that you should get rid of parental notification. But this is a controversial, touchy issue. Because somehow or other, this is the one as this is the one aspect of a choice that, like, really a lot of voters seem to wrestle with. You know, they're like, I don't know. It's like encouraging teenagers to have sex. I'm gonna break it to you, parents. This is gonna be some shocking news that may disturb you. Teenagers are already having sex. Yes. 
and be the one first to tell you that. So they're not asking you for permission when they have sex, but they got to ask you for permission when they get an abortion. I'm not seeing the consistency there, the logic. But I read the Tribune, big article in the Tribune about how this is a real touchy subject for like swing voters. The Dems don't know. Should they push it really hard? Should they go strong with it? So we're following this one as well. This is just some of the news stories we're following. Uh, and uh, I hope that I'll be following on my Sun-Times, which will arrive tomorrow. Please, Sun-Times, please, Sun-Times, arrive tomorrow. Yeah, well, now you're asking, before you're just <laughs> ripping them, please send me one five no, minutes I, ago. These bastards. I took it all back. Everything I said about your Bears coverage, write as much about the Bears as you want. Fill up the sports page. By the way, speaking of sports, my beloved Chicago Bulls, 4 I'm telling you. 4 big win last night in Toronto. I almost blew that game. Uh, they were winning throughout the game, and then in the last minute it got a little shaky. And then, of course, immediately, this is how this is how fickle Chicago fans are. Immediately, I started getting texts from, oh, the Bulls choke. Your Bulls choke. Well, they won the game. They almost choked. Well, they have a lot of hard games coming up and uh, tough tough stretch of the season coming up. But to 4-0 for my beloved Chicago Bulls, probably should bring on some people to have some Bulls talk uh, real soon. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return. Dave Glowatz will be with us with his uh, Chicago City Council report. He's got a bunch of clips from some recent city council meetings he's going to share with us. We're going to break them down as we always do. He's not told me what the uh, reports are, uh, the little clips are. So it's totally spontaneous, without script at all. So when we return... Dave Glowatz will be here. Stick around, everybody. Always my favorite part of the show where a guest shows up. I see their lovely smiling face uh, right here on my computer screen. And the lovely, shining, uh, beautiful face that I'm looking right now belongs to one. Dave, David Glowatz of Inside Chicago Government comes to the show at least once a month. And maybe once every six weeks uh, with a, a city council synopsis breakdown of what uh, your government has been up to. He dutifully attends meetings, and then he breaks down the recordings of the meetings, uh, and then we analyze the meetings, and he's now left our meeting. <laughs> uh, Dave Kloatz, very elusive today. You know, he uh, comes and goes as he pleases, uh, but he has some breakdowns of the Chicago City Council meetings for us. Where'd he go, D? I don't know. Maybe he took a bathroom break real quick, and he had, uh, he'll be right back. Uh, I shouldn't have uh, done the long windup uh, on the introduction. <laughs> kind of caught me off guard there. He just left the room. Was it something we said, Dave? I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I said he had a beautiful, shiny face. He was here. I was looking at it. I was much relieved. Shouldn't have uh, said it. Here he returns. Dave Kloatz returns. It's very elusive. Dave, Welcome are you there? to the show, Dave. It's great to be here. Sorry about the technical trouble. Yes. It's okay, because you're here right now, and all is well in the universe. All right. Take it away. As I uh, explained, it's uh, your regular uh, visit to the show, talking about city council news. So take it away, young Dave Glowatz. We're talking about October, which we're still in. October had many city council meetings, an unusual number of committee meetings, and three, three, count them, three meetings of the full City Council on October 14, 25, and 27. Some highlights. The October meeting featured Alderman honoring the 80th birthday of the Reverend Jesse Jackson for an hour and 20 minutes. And they spent a half hour praising the newly confirmed commissioner of the Department of Streets and Sanitation, 
whose name is Cole Stallard, or maybe it's Stallard. Sorry, I missed that. On October 25, the administration of Mayor Lori Lightfoot was expected by some to move passage for the half dozen ordinances that comprise the city's 2022 budget. But instead, the chairs of the Finance and Budget Committees deferred consideration to the October 27 meeting, which is tomorrow. The October 25 meeting featured during public comments a screed by the president of Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 7, John Catanzara. John Catanzara, I'm not going to play it now, but listeners can hear the entirety of Catanzara's speech in the extended version of this episode found at the Inside Chicago Government website, shygov.com. Ben, do you want to say a few brief words about the union's stance that the city should not compel police officers to get vaccinated? Well, I already touched upon this uh, while you were uh, dutifully preparing for the show a little while ago. But uh, yeah, any opportunity for me to talk about Johnny C, I welcome and relish. Uh, John Canzara, of course, the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, is the Magius, uh, Magus supporter this side of Indiana, as I wrote uh, in a recent column. Uh, he's out, out there, pro-Trump, not afraid to say it, not afraid, afraid to wear the shirt, uh, not a, uh, afraid to put the message out wherever he goes. And as such, this is a very curious movement that uh, he's leading, Dave. And I can tell you, in my 40 years of uh, covering politics in the city of Chicago, this may be the boldest uprising by conservative forces uh, of the last 40 years. I can't recall. Now, you could say, well, Ben, what about a council wars? Good point. Uh, but council wars was an insurrection against Harold Washington, but it wasn't as ideologically based in hard right politics the way John Catanzara's uh, movement is. And uh, he's got the support, apparently, of the rank and file of the Chicago uh, Police Department. Uh, he is pretty much cowed aldermen on the northwest and southwest sides of the city of Chicago. They're his representatives in the city council, and he controls them. He he gave the the threat yesterday: "We'll run people against you." And immediately, the aldermen have responded. They're very concerned because many of their constituents are police officers uh, or relatives of police officers. So it's a powerful force, uh, Dave, in my humble opinion, uh, on certain corners of the city. And I I would say this, anybody who voted for Donald Trump uh, in the 2020 election, and I think that was 15 percent of the city, is probably a huge supporter of John Catanzaro. So 15 percent of the vote in the city of Chicago is a significant uh, number. It's probably more than any other union a leader can uh, command at this stage. So John Catanzara, it's again, it's nowhere near a majority, but it's a significant minority. And uh, I'll say for those who might be listening in the future, the council passed all the proposed 2022 budget measures at the October 27 meeting. Dennis, please, we're going to do inspector first. In October, Ben, there took a place. Took, there took place a bunch of hearings by the city com- city council committee on budget and government operations, which is chaired by who? Budget. Yeah. Pat Dow. Third Ward Alderman Pat Dow. Correct. The ostensible reason for these hearings is to vet the 2022 city budget proposed by Mayor Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot. At each one of these meetings, Alderman got to grill the heads of different city departments. We're going to hear part of the October 7 hearing where Alderman questioned Joe Ferguson, who was head of the Office of Inspector General, 
His last day, though, was October 18. This bit starts with the Southside's Alderman Anthony Beale of the Ninth Ward. Let's listen. Congratulations on your retirement. I am am not retiring. Not retiring? Okay. And and if somebody could tell Fran Spielman I am not retiring, I would appreciate that. Fran Spielman, he is not retiring. (laughs) Knowing that you're not retiring, were you asked, you know, to stay or asked not to? How did that happen? You're the chair. That is not a budget question. I I can't ask. No, that's not a budget question. You want to you want to ask. You know how many people didn't ask budget questions? That is how many people didn't ask budget questions. Don't answer that. Go on to your next question. So were you asked to stay? No. Okay. Thank you. Alderman Cicho Lopez. In terms of what's next after October 15th, who will be in charge or what is the process? I know that. Well, the, the one part I haven't answered, one part I have answered. In terms of the permanent successor, there's a whole selection process that's underway with a committee that will do the work and, and basically come up with three or more finalists for the mayor to select from. The mayor, the mayor nominates, and it comes to the council for confirmation hearing. The other question is, what happens between October 15th and when the political process has actually resulted in the appointment of that person? which is why I sent a letter back in July saying we got to get going on this. Here's the deal. My job is to make sure right up until the end of business on October 15th that the office runs seamlessly and smoothly. And what that means right now is to work with my senior staff on a transition that basically creates kind of an acting IG that will be in place unless somebody does something that sort of steps in the way of that. So a transition is in process because no one has been designated from the outside. I made a recommendation to members of this council that maybe because of this delay, I'd be left to select somebody from within the office to assure that there would be continuity and a status quo maintained until the political process has played out. That has not yielded, you know, a thumbs up to go ahead and do it. But in the meantime, I'm eight days out. We have to plan for a transition. We're planning for a transition. I will name somebody the acting IG from within the office, and we'll see what happens from there. Alderman Moore. How do we assure that we keep that? I don't even think, I don't know know whether to call this a balance or the best word to use, that independence. I think that's the best word. And something I've always felt as a manager, the hardest decisions to make are hiring decisions, and you're going to be wrong about one quarter of the time. You're going to make the wrong guess, and you don't want to make the wrong guess with an IG. You know, somebody who has actually been battle-tested in the context of oversight work and oversight work in the city itself, you have your measure of what you're looking for. That's available. That is available here, and I think the council's representatives on that selection committee, if there are things that you're looking for, you should make sure, the council should make sure that's understood by those representatives, the sort of characteristics and qualifications that matter most to you. The situation that you describe with respect to the superintendent and the changing of the law, or at least proceeding in a way that's contrary to both the letter and the spirit of the law, That's what's going on right now with respect to COPA and the selection of the chief administrator. At the end of July, this body, after an extraordinary multi-year process, negotiated the creation of a civil commission, a civil police oversight commission. 
whose powers included the search and the selection of the chief administrator of COPA. Two days before that law took effect, a search was initiated for a new COPA administrator. We are now three months past that. The law as it was created that is in effect right now is not what's being done. What is being done? I don't think anybody really knows. That should worry you and it should worry all of us. Well, clarify and correct. I want to correct, first of all, myself. I said Ferguson's last day was October 18. His last day was October 15. Mm -hmm. He had a couple other things he said. He talked about the superintendent. He was talking about the police superintendent and that the city council uh, for one day changed the rules about how the police superintendent was supposed to be selected Mm -hmm. so that the current superintendent, David Brown, could be chosen. And that last acronym he was talking about, COPA, is the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, which is a uh, body that investigates a lot of police misconduct, a lot of police shootings. And he talked about an irregularity, I'll call it that, of uh, how the head of that body was supposed to be selected by the new civilian commission. But instead, the administration began, before the law went into effect, to search for that person. And then finally, I'd like to say, Ben, in that piece, I feel like Ferguson Hint said who'd he appoint as his interim interim replacement. But we might never know, because on October 15, the mayor named a guy named William Marbeck, the interim IG. And Mr. Marbeck has 21 years with the inspector general's office. And I'll leave it there. Wow. Uh, so, first of all, well done. That was uh, very interesting to listen to Joe Ferguson uh, uh, talk about uh, oversight in the city of Chicago. Just so you know, Inspector General is supposed to be, as Alderman David Moore of the 17th Board said, an independent entity uh, that oversees, if you will, uh, is, is like a watchdog for the public's interest uh, to make sure that the mayor doesn't overreach. And uh, now this is, there's a long, interesting tradition of inspector generals being pawns of the mayor. Uh, this goes back to the nineties. Mayor Daly's inspector generals were basically just lap dogs. And that changed uh, in style very, uh, very much when David Hoffman uh, was the inspector general back, oh, it was like 10 years ago, I want to say. And uh, he he earned his reputation for standing up to Mayor Daly on the parking meter deal. Now, he couldn't stop the city council uh, from passing that abominable parking meter deal uh, by an overwhelming majority. I think it was 35 to 5 or something like that. Or He couldn't stop them from passing it. Because the weird, the really weird thing, uh, Dave Glass, is that the inspector general is ger- sort of like comes in after the fact, if you follow me. You know what I'm saying? So he, he looks after the fact, he weighs in like on the parking meter deal. He said it was a travesty. And I remember the press conference where David Hoffman gave the press conference. Daly was so mad at him. Uh, how dare you <laughs> call attention to this travesty? Uh, but that that confrontation between David Hoffman uh, and Mayor Daley just drew the public's attention to this office, to the inspector general. And for the first time, there was an expectation, I believe, that the inspector general would actually be an independent overseer of the mayor as opposed to a lapdog. And so Joe Ferguson replaced David Hoffman, and he's kept that tradition alive. I think pretty much everyone will agree that Joe Ferguson uh, has done a good job 
uh, being an independent overseer of the mayor. He's not been afraid to speak up against be it Mayor Rahm, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And as such, it really irritates the mayor. No matter who the mayor is, the mayor wants to think whether uh, it's Rahm or Daly or Lori Lightfoot, uh, that she is, to quote John Canzara, a queen on the throne or a king on the throne. It's interesting choice. Instead of the headline in today's Tribune that I already talked about, Dave, I'm showing you the headline so you can see for yourself. See that? Uh, John Canzara, just by today, just by Quince today, it's not a queen on the throne. But really, with the exception of a handful of aldermen that uh, you dutifully uh, record and play on the on the show when you come on, and uh, Joe Ferguson, the mayor is pretty much free to do whatever she wants. And so this is this is going to be a very interesting um, confrontation. Will Mayor Lori Lightfoot openly rebel against the notion of having an independent inspector general? Uh, throw that away and appoint a lapdog, someone that she knows and expects to do to rubber stamp whatever she says, to look the other way at whatever egregious deal she comes up with. And by the way, I mean, there's limits to it. So, for instance, uh, perhaps the worst of all the TIF deals that Rob stuffed on our throat as he ran out of office, the Lincoln Yards TIF deal. I don't believe the inspector general weighed in at all on that. So there's limitations even to what the inspector general can do on important issues facing the city of Chicago. But something is better than nothing. And it seems what Joe Ferguson was warning us, Dave, as he head out the door uh, in his um, closing remarks to the Chicago City Council is that uh, if they're not vigilant, the Chicago City Council, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot will change the trajectory of that office from what's been over the last 10 years with David Hoffman and uh, Joe Ferguson and replace independence with subservience. Your thoughts. You notice that in that clip I played that Alderman Anthony Beal, despite uh, Chairman Dowell's uh, uh, orders not to, not to have the question asked, asked Ferguson whether the Lightfoot administration asked him to stay on. And he said, no. And that tells us something. Like if we believe that Ferguson was, um, as you say, a truly independent and uh, insightful probe of city government, then why would he not? Why would he not be asked to stay on? I get every indication that he would have stayed on. I don't know. Does that, does that seem right to you? I will answer your question. Yes, it does seem right to me. I will answer your question. Mayor Lori Lightfoot doesn't want an independent inspector general. Mayor Lori Lightfoot wants an inspector general that will roll over. And she wants to change the nature of that office. And this is her opportunity. And we've talked about this in the past in the show. I don't know directly with you, but Mayor Lori Lightfoot does not take criticism well, to put it mildly. What? And she's, yeah. She's been known to strike out at people uh, that criticize her. And Joe Ferguson was not afraid to be independent of the mayor, release reports that embarrassed the mayor, come up with comments that, uh, you know, doubted whatever. Mayors want to make proclamations and they expect city of all their appointees just to nod along. And he didn't just nod along. So, yeah, I think that he was giving a warning. Uh, and, And by the way, everything you need to know, about the general relation between mayors and appointees 
was on display there where Pat Dowell, you're right. I, I wrote that down and then I, I didn't come back to it. Pat Dowell told Anthony Beal, you're not allowed to ask that question. Pat Dowell is the chair of the budget committee. And in the bizarre situation we have in the city of Chicago, we've talked about this many times. The mayor selects the chairs of the city council committees. Really weird violation of the separation of government. I understand. I point that out all the time, but that's how we do it in Chicago. In in Chicago, the reigning rule that the worldview is that you should give all power to the mayor. Johnny Canzara, when you say the mayor, it's not a queen on the throne. Basically, you're wrong because that's what people want in the city of Chicago. They want a queen on the throne, a monarch. And so the mayor gets to choose who the uh, committee chairs are. And as such, the committee chairs pretty much carry the mayor's water. And that was kind of embarrassing, in my humble opinion, to Pat Dowell. By the way, running for secretary of state, you would think she would show a little independence. You know, just a little bit. David Moore, by the way, also running for secretary of state. He was the one who asked the automator who asked the question about independence. Who is running? Who isn't running for secretary of state? Me. I'm not running. Wait, you know, you still have time. (laughs) Uh, Yes, true. Uh, It is true. Uh, but uh, so I do have time. But uh, yeah, so when Anthony Beale, uh, she ruled him out of order. You can't ask that question. He asked it anyway. Good for you, Anthony Beale. <laughs> and, she, and she said to Ferguson, don't answer that don't question. Answer that sums it up, Chicago. You're sheep. Don't answer that question. He's the inspector general. You're not allowed to answer that question. Gadzera, you're wrong. It is. You said it is not a queen on the throne. I don't know. Sure looks like a queen on the throne to me. You're not allowed to answer that question, Ferguson. And he answered it anyway. Good for you, Joe. That's why you're out the door. And the next guy that comes in will humbly go, I can't answer it. I've been instructed not to answer that question. So I got to I got to say to Joe Ferguson's credit, he was always very careful in his testimony before the city council to just state the facts and not give opinions. You know, he was uh, very uh, sort of like I am in interviews with you about uh, just but let's just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Why do you like him so much? Maybe I should apply for the job. So let's you should. On. Dave Glowatz, this is sunrise in the east. Well, I'm really not prepared to say right now. Uh. Let's move on. Okay. Dennis, please. We're going to do gang next. Uh, now I want to move on to an October 13 meeting of the Public Safety Committee, which had a discussion about the Chicago Police Gang Database. Ben, what do you know about the Police Gang Database? Oh, my God. Short short answer. Short answer. Uh, it's riddled with errors. What's in know, it? Short answer. What's in it? Names of suspected gang members. Uh, and... Uh, it's like big government is spying on you and not doing a very good job of collecting information. So the controversy uh, so, around this database is that, uh, that there are a bunch of thousands of names in it. Apparently, the, uh, according to the police, they come uh, the way that names get on into the database are from a variety of sources. And as a result, there's a bunch of controversy around, you know, what is this database? And, um, advocates of uh, civil liberties uh, have been pressing for elimination of the database or at least clarification of how people get in. And all of that resulted in a proposal that, according to uh, the city's website, uh, it's an ordinance sponsored by the mayor 
that the Public Safety Committee on October 13th considered an ordinance, measure number 02021-4131, that would give the Chicago Police Board power to hear appeals by individuals that have themselves removed from any, quote, criminal information systems, as it says in the proposed ordinance. We're going to hear part of the committee's questioning of the police board's president, Guillen Foreman, and the board's executive director, who, by the way, is one of two city employees that staffs the police board. His name is Max Caproni. And after we hear those folks, we're going to hear... I should say, after we hear those folks, the the committee approved the ordinance, but then we'll hear what happened when the full city council considered the ordinance at its October 14 meeting the next day. This bit starts with Northside Alderman Harry Osterman of the 48th Ward. Let's listen. The first time I heard the term criminal enterprise information system was at the CPD budget hearing, and I didn't have enough time to ask the superintendent exactly what that meant. But what I took it that meant was a revised version of the gang database. We're setting up an appeal system when I, I don't think my colleagues and I, I don't think we've got a full grasp on the intent of what CPD is looking to do with this new system. I guess I'll ask you because you're here, is it the intent that Chicagoans who feel that they want to have their name not in a system, they would have a, a fair appeal process to get out of that database? Mr. Max Caproni, Our understanding is that the way the appeals process would work is if CPD renders a final decision as to whether someone should be in or removed from the database, if the person who requests removal from the database gets a decision from CPD to not remove them and the person wishes to appeal that decision, that's what this process would do. And then the police board's job would be to be a fair decision maker of that appeal. I think it's important for the members of the council and this committee specifically to have a much greater understanding of what the intent is of CPD when it relates to this. I think that we have to have CPD before this committee to talk about all of that. I think we've seen through lots of situations where this has not been used the right way. Chairman Mitz, CPD will be doing briefings on the uh, CEIS prior to rolling it out. So we're not taking a vote here today, correct? Well, we're taking a vote on just the ability of the police board to be able to begin an appeal process. How are we going to take a vote if you got to have briefing after the vote? The briefings will be with regard to the criminal enterprise information system. When CPD is ready to roll that system out, what this ordinance does today, it allows the police board to begin a process of putting together a system of appeal. Alderman Sawyer. What are we looking at as it relates to rules? Are you a current member of a criminal enterprise or former member? Is there a length of time associated? Is it what you've done since you've been involved? Is it correct that there are current criteria now, or is it going to change once the CIS is implemented or be formalized, I guess you can say? Mr. Guion Foreman, the president of the police board. It's correct that CPD will create, these are the criteria one must meet in order to be in the CEIS. Based on that, if someone says, am I in it? And they say, yes, you are in it. They have the right to appeal. 
in order to get what you need, I guess a lot of us have questions with CPD about what their rules are going to be, and it's a bit confusing. I really want to know what CPD is going to list as criteria so that we know what could be appealed and what cannot be appealed. Alderman Vasquez. There's a lot of talk about the front end and the back end. It feels like people are putting the cart before the horse, and we haven't even seen what the horse looks like. What's the impetus that moves this piece of legislation forward when we don't have any idea about the CEIS and every member in this committee so far has asked questions about it? Right now, there is no one that has been granted that authority to have an appeals process. In my opinion, it is smart not to have the police department develop their own appeals process because they are the ones that are going to be implementing this information system. Item number one was ordinance 2021-4131 adding police board power to hear appeals by individuals to remove their status identification from certain criminal information systems. I move for the passage of this item. The chair recognizes Alderman Vasquez. I move to defer and publish item one from the Committee on Public Safety. Alder Sawyer, Lopez, Taylor, Sigcho Lopez, Rodriguez, Sanchez, Haddon, Rodriguez, and Ramirez Rosa join me in this motion. The item will be deferred and published. We want to explain a couple things there. They wow. were using the acronym CEIS, Criminal Enterprise Information System, that apparently is what version two of the gang database is going to be and is being developed by the police department. But what's playing out in that committee meeting, as we heard, is that thing isn't developed yet. But meanwhile, the administration apparently is pushing this appeal process in advance of that new gang database version two being implemented. And then one more technical thing, Ben, I want to point out that any two aldermen, as we've talked about in the past, can move to defer and publish a measure, and that automatically defers consideration to the next meeting of the full city council. We heard Alderman Vasquez there uh, do that for this measure. And um, I can say that the next meeting after that was yesterday's meeting of the council and the council did not consider the measure. Interestingly. Yeah, this one, uh, I was, uh, sort of smiling. It seems like all our, uh, our bits are running together, some central themes. So we've already talked, uh, before you came on the show, I talked at length about John Catton's era and the fraternal order police, uh, teaming up with certain aldermen, uh, to oppose the mayor, try to undercut her efforts to force, uh, city workers to, uh, th- not even be vaccinated just to, uh, let the city know if they're vaccinated or not. And they say that there is a, a constitutional right uh, to Liberty that's being violated here. Uh, and then that this is a, the, the city is declaring too much power over individuals, and it's interesting. Here we have similar situation where the city is declaring a right over individuals and the voices of opposition are not coming uh, from John Catanzara and his automatic allies. Uh, this, of course, is the issue of putting people's names uh, in a database, which is sort of an updating of like McCarthyism, if you will, you could say, you know, like your name's on a list. Remember that? They, they, well, it's way before your time, Dave, so you wouldn't remember it. But there were all these lists uh, that law enforcement, the FBI had of who was a communist, who was not a communist, you know, and who was a, a, a danger to the country. And you had to, you had to prove that you weren't a danger to the country before, like, I don't know, you could get a job as a screenwriter in Hollywood. If well, it was to- before my time, it was before your time too. <laughs> Just oh yeah, we're the same age. 
I always think you're a young guy. I always think you're a millennial because you're so healthy. But anyway, um, thank you. So I, uh, I'm basically a civil libertarian, and that's why when I see, as I said earlier, I wasn't being completely facetious when I see Kent Zara stand up to an all-powerful mayor. I appreciate that, a little resistance. But I would like to see some kind of consistency uh, on the part of city council libertarians. You know, if you're going to be a libertarian when it comes to uh, declaring that city workers have a right not to tell the city if they're vaccinated, you should be a civil libertarian and declare the right of people in the city of Chicago not to be put on a list that could jeopardize them. I don't know if if they go for a loan, if they run for office, if uh, they choose to uh, get a job somehow or other. You know, being put on a list is a very scary thing. You don't have total proof that that person is a gang member or a bad person. So uh, this this is interesting how civil liberties sort of change and alter according to one's ideological view. Dave, you have your hand in the hair. Take it. Go ahead. That's my hair. Um, I, it makes this makes me wonder why, if the police department, as you know, some of these aldermen have aldermen have pointed out, if the police department has not yet developed. The, what they're calling the criminal enterprise information system, or what I'm calling gang database two, why is the administration pushing this appeals process now? And you know, and it's puzzling to the aldermen too. Do you have any speculation on this? Other than the fact that uh, the this, the city is being incoherent uh, and inconsistent, uh, none. Uh, I mean, mayor. Maybe the mayor is prouder of claiming this is an achievement than she is of bringing back uh, the database. So it's, you know, the, it's optics, but uh, I, I essentially, I agree. The point that Andre Vasquez made was a very good one. Alderman Andre Vasquez of the 40th ward and the point you were making, it really makes no sense until we know to set up an appeal process to get off a list. If we don't know what the list is and how you're going to be on the list. So, uh, but my guess is uh, that this, the, all the, the mayor is prouder of, of pushing for an appeals process than she is for pushing uh, the return of the database. And the fact that they, they don't seem particularly concerned to rush it through the city council, as you said, it was not brought back at the council meeting yesterday indicates that maybe they're just going to back off for a while. And arguably it was against the rules for it not to be brought back because a defer and publish uh, according to the council rules means that it must be brought before the council at its next meeting. And uh, I was waiting, but it didn't happen. So, interesting. Shall we move on? Yes, sir. Uh, Dennis, please, we're going to do North next. This next piece comes from the City Council's full meeting on October 14. And it's part of the Finance Committee report by the chair, the North Side's Scott Wagaspeck of the 32nd Ward. Let's listen. Item number five is a communication recommending a proposed ordinance concerning the authority to execute the second amendment to near north tax incremental financing redevelopment project and plan regarding estimated dates of completion and retirement of debt in the second and 27th wards. This is essentially red meat for you, Ben. I thought to include it because the council with no debate extended the expiration date of the near north tax increment financing district from this year, 2021, to the year 2033. And just to give you a sense of the geography here, this TIF district is south of North Avenue and east of the Chicago River, which puts it right next to what, Ben? 
puts it right next to what used to be uh, Cabrini Green. Uh, that's farther south. What is next to the Chicago River, north of North Avenue, and south of Webster Avenue? The hideout. What's near the hideout? See that? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so this district is I was trying right. to wonder where you were going with this, but go <laughs> ahead. This TIF district is right next to the Cortland-Chicago River TIF district, which is the one that is funding the development of Lincoln Yards. So prior to this extension, which passed, the city had reported that the TIF district would spend about $281 million in project costs over its original 23-year life. But with this extension, the new reported project costs come to, would you like to guess? Take a stab. $2 billion. A little high, $921 million. I was just winging it there. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, well, uh, this is where I pitch it to you. This is, like I said, red meat <laughs> in terms of TIF districts. Yeah, no, this is red meat to me. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to be restrained uh, when what? I talk about TIFs, tax Come increment on. financing. Come on. Uh, but tax increment financing uh, is many things, but uh, I think at the top of the list, it's a slush fund. Uh, and this is exhibit A of how it is a slush fund. So if, uh, and Dave Glowatz has heard me on this subject many, many times, because for about eight years, as I like to point out before he came on my show, I came on his show and we would talk about TIFs. And uh, so if a, t- once, uh, if a TIF district is created for the sole purpose of financing one particular deal, and it goes out of existence after it finances that deal. I don't really have an objection to it as as a uh, a way of raising money to pay for something that the city decides is in its best interest. The issue, of course, in the, is whether the project is in the best interest of the city, but that's a secondary matter to the tool. TIF is a tool. But what Mayor Daley figured out back in the 1990s is that if you make a TIF district, greater than any one project and you continue that TIF district beyond its original 23 years, which state law allows it, you will have money pumping into your bank accounts that you control for 33 years, 35 years. And there will be no oversight. You could spend it as you want and you will not have uh, pre-approved programs that it must fund. It's free and easy money for you to spend, and the taxpayers are paying for it with a surcharge on their taxes that they aren't even aware of because the property tax bill lies. And, and Dave, this, is, this gets back to the issue of an inspector general, an oversight. The inspector general, the limitations of the inspector general's office is that you know he or she, they, they can't oversee every single TIF district. It's just not enough people in that office and there's just so many other issues so this is one example where there is no oversight and so you're you're absolutely correct scotty Wagesback announced something that i'm sure 99 out of 100 chicagoans would have no idea what it meant and uh, they do not know that the city is effectively raising their taxes by doing that but the city was raising your taxes folks by extending that Property tax. The city will have a de- conversation or a city council will have a debate tomorrow when they approve the budget. And they will approve the budget. We all know that about every nickel of property tax that they're going to raise to fund specific programs that they stipulate in a budget. They're going to be funding and aldermen from all over the city will rise to the council floor and go uh, either they approve it or they don't approve it. And they will say how much they're standing up for taxpayers. And meanwhile, quietly, without telling you, 
Not even, probably most of those aldermen didn't even know what they were voting on. They just raised your taxes by extending the life of that TIF. And you're right, Dave. There's, there may be, originally I thought, well, you know, they're going to pay off some old obligations from Cabrini Green uh, projects. But you're right. I, I mean, they could funnel that thing right over to Lincoln Yards if there's not enough yield from the Lincoln Yards TIF to pay for all the, the construction going on there. So further subsidizing and gentrifying neighborhood that didn't need the subsidy. No, over. see, and I, and I hit this, uh, Dave, from two angles. One, the, the lefty in me uh, objects to the inequity of the TIF program because it favors wealthy neighborhoods over poor neighbors. I think that's my greatest single objection to it. But then there's like the good government geek in me, you know, that was raised to, to be concer- concerned about government lying to people and government not being open. And that is 101 of the TIF program, where they tell you it doesn't raise your taxes, even though it does. Where they say your property tax bill is truth, truthful accounting of how your tax dollars are spent, and it's not. So we don't know where this money is going to go. You're right. They just raise your taxes to funnel more money into a bank account, and we do not know how that money will be uh, distributed. You're absolutely correct. They, for all we know, they're going to use it to build a bear stadium somewhere. Anything's possible. But uh, so this is more slush for the pile and it passed without discussion or debate. So there you go. Just a little red meat for me. As if I didn't have enough with the John Catanzara headline in the Tribune saying it is not a queen on that throne. Go ahead, Dave. So two points. One is that um, the reported statement by the city of where this money might go, which I reported on back in um, August, after a meeting of the Chicago's, uh, Chicago's Community Development Commission, was that um, said the, the um, was a redevelopment plan. That's the document. It says, quote, among the public facilities that may be constructed, the quote says, the report says, are schools, parks, a library, a district police station, and a new transit station with a combined estimated cost, uh, I'm sorry, transit station, unquote, and the combined estimated cost of those things is $250 million. So that's one point. The second is that, you know, a little bit of esoteria that you just alluded to is that because this TIF district adjoins the Portland Chicago River TIF district, which subsidizes the Lincoln Yards project to the north, as you said, the city, thanks to state law, can do what's called port money between districts. So if the billion plus projected subsidy for Lincoln Yards uh, isn't enough, then, you know, they could they could dip into uh, this near north TIF district. So that's an interesting, like I say, esoteric aspect. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing just that. Uh, and like I said, they may not know what they're going to use with the money. Who knows? Again, it's a very fundamental principle of transparent, open government is that the representatives of government tell us what they're going to do with the taxes that we give them. And here's a classic example of them not telling us. And we're left to to conjecture. Dave and I are wondering, well, I I can guarantee you they're not going to spend it all building schools. Guarantee you that, people. There is a a redevelopment plan that has a list of the projects. Yes. For the record. Yeah, $250 million, I think you said, right? Out of a $900 million uh, total yield. So, you know, I can guarantee you they're not going to spend all $921 million on the schools. That's what they do. They go, well, 
I remember Bernie Stone. Yes, Bernie Stone, my old friend. Uh, may he rest in peace for the 50 worth going. Ben, people don't care about TIFFs. If you build one school for $100, you can spend $1,000 on slush for the mayor's friends. And all you do is talk about the school. And so that's the game uh, that they're playing. It's for I, the children, Ben. Yeah, yeah, it's for the. You know what, Cat Zara? Here's an issue you might want to champion TIFFs. $900 million in property tax dollars that are going into this bank account, Johnny C, is money that will not go to police pensions. It will not go for police salaries. Head of the fire department, of the fire uh, union as well. You guys are standing up against the uh, the mayor's mandate. This is money that can't go to your employees. Sorry, Ben. They're first in line. They're getting their money. <laughs> Yeah, they're you first know that. line. You know that. Well, so pensions you- is always a little tricky. Pensions, oh, a little tricky. Why are we going to fund pensions? Mayor Emanuel made sure, made sure that all four of the city uh, worker pensions had funding sources. Yeah, after he tried to uh, cut them. And then he had to back off on that one for a while. Picky, he was- picky, picky. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's move yeah. on. We'll, yeah, by the way, I don't know. The police pension is relying on a casino. Uh, last I've seen, the casino has not been built. Oh, so, so you're before, not, you're before not betting on it. Done. You're not What's betting that? on that one. You're not betting on that one. Huh? Oh, let's move on. They will be appearing live at Mr. Kelly's. <laughs> we will be live on Google Meet. Uh, Dennis, please. We're going to do rules next. Well, Ben, you remember, might remember that in our September council wrap-up, we heard a heated exchange that took place on September 14 mm-hmm. between Ninth Ward Alderman Anthony Beal, Mayor Lightfoot, and others over Beal's proposed ordinance to raise the speed at which Chicago's speed limit cameras are triggered. That ordinance, along with another one Beal sponsored about city council getting its own lawyer, had been languishing in the Rules Committee, where legislation goes to die, as we've talked about. Well, these two ordinances finally got discharged from the Rules Committee. As we'll hear, the committee chair, 8th Ward Alderman Michelle Harris, state in this clip. Let's listen. The committee recommends that item one be re-referred to the Committee on Finance. The item is to further regulate automatic speed enforcement system be re-referred to the Committee on Finance. I move approval of the recommendation of this item to be re-referred to the Committee on Finance. The chair recognizes Alderman Ryan. Alderman Reboiris and I move to defer and publish this item. The matter will be deferred and published. Item two, to establish the position of the Legislative Council. I move approval of the recommendation that item two be re-referred to the Committee on Budget. The chair recognizes Alderman Ryan. Alderman Reboiris and I move to defer and publish this item. The matter will be deferred and published. Claims, free permits, license fee exemptions, which are referred to the Committee on Finance. Two committees have been called. The matters are referred to the Committee on Rules. Traffic regulations, traffic control signals, and traffic signs, which are referred to the Committee on Pedestrian and Traffic Safety. Two committees that haven't been called, the Committee on Traffic and the Committee on Budget. The matters referred to the Committee on Committees and Rules. Grants and privilege on and over the public way, which are referred to the Committee on Transportation and Public Way. Two committees haven't been called, the Committee on Transportation and Public Way and the Committee on Traffic. The matters are referred to the Committee on Committees and Rules. Exemption from physical barrier requirement for commercial driveway alley access for parking facilities, which are referred to the Committee on Transportation and Public Way. Two committees haven't been called, the Committee on Transportation and Public Way and the Committee on Zoning. The matters are referred to the Committee on Committees and Rules. 
Alderman Haddon and others have proposed ordinance for amendment of year 2022 budget recommendation within appropriation code 0005 salaries and wages for Chicago Police Department, which is referred to the Committee on the Budget and Government Operations. Two committees have been called the Committee on the Budget and Government Operations and the Committee on Traffic. The matters are referred to the Committee on Committees and Rules. So at the last part, what happened was at the end of the meeting, uh, there's normally the place where the city clerk staffer reads all the measures that are going to be introduced and, and assigns them to committees. And if any alderman feels it should be assigned to a different committee, they can they can shout that out. And then the rules say that then the, the uh, legislation gets shunted to the committee on rules, which in some cases is just simply a way for uh, in the perfect in the perfect world, Ben, it's the place where. Uh, the rules committee figures out which committee is appropriate. But what often happens is just a way to roadblock the legislation. So what happened here is when, uh, going back to the beginning, when Alderman Beal got his two, uh, uh, what, what will I call them, uh, pet ordinances or his um, the ordinances he, he's been trying to push for a while, discharged from rules, immediately Alderman Riley moved to de defer them it's just like, zing! And so what happened then is uh, I counted 17 introductions that the clerk made that Beal called rules and had them sent to rules. So he was just doing this massive blocking of legislation just to get back. And there were plenty on more after the 17. He stopped after the 17th one. Uh, and we're going to hear what happened next. But uh, that was a little bit of uh, Beal retribution that was going on there. Yeah, that's some uh, that is uh, some real insight into uh, how it's really a very personal uh, city council. And uh, yeah, you mess with me, I'll mess with you right back. Uh, a little fascinating interplay there. And I, I'm still trying to figure out uh, why Riley, what Riley's got against uh, Beal's proposal about uh, what's it, speed cameras. Was that the yeah, original? Yeah, to, yeah. To, to sort of reinstate the the higher uh, speed at which people will get ticketed. Yeah. And the second measure, which is, um, some might say, more impactful, is for permission for the city council to uh, engage its own lawyer. Yeah, why are you against that? Well, yeah. you, know, you know that Riley, I'll just state a fact, Riley is what's called the vice mayor. Yeah. So he is the person who stands in for the mayor when she is uh, officiating the city council and has to leave the rostrum. So I don't know what you want to make of that. But if, if I might, let's move on to the next item, because the next item is what happened next in that meeting at the same October. And uh, Dennis, please, we're going to do Riley next. So after the city clerk staffer finished reading the dozens of introduced measures, Alderman Riley made a motion. Let's listen. Uh, just one second here. I'm looking for. That doesn't Riley. sound like Alderman Riley. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's Alderman Dennis. Can you do a, an Irish accent? On here. <laughs> seriously, you I'm looking for Riley. If you guys could, like, you know. Say, uh, hey, how you been, Dave? Been good? <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, How's your summer? Summer went by so fast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Alderman Riley actually doesn't have much of an Irish accent, I don't think. You know, he doesn't have an Irish accent at all. But I bet you Dennis could do a really good one. Yeah. I uh, While Dennis is looking for it, I'm just going to uh, comment on your observation, by the way. I love it. It was just like a factoid. See, that's the difference between stating an opinion and a factoid. But if you state an opinion in such a way, 
it kind of, I mean, if you state a factoid in such a way, it's, it's sort of a, like a backhanded way of making an opinion. So that's, that's Dave Gloat. It's a little sneaky there. That's your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> that's my opinion. That is correct. So I don't know what being a vice mayor has to do with opposing a law that would give the Chicago City Council its own lawyer. Do you think the mayor wants that? No. So I, is in any way uh, Riley allied with the mayor? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess it shows that his alliance with the mayor is a lot uh, uh, deeper than uh, I had originally thought. Uh, and uh, I really don't know like what, what point uh, it really serves. Uh, I guess it just helps the mayor, more control over the mayor, less oversight. Again, we talked about this with Joe Ferguson, less oversight. So the notion that I just think about it, the notion that a city council lawyer uh, would uh, be such an obstacle uh, to Mayor Lori Lightfoot is kind of preposterous. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, the mayor's being very vigilant. I just got a word from Dennis that there is no Riley clip. And I'm really disappointed because I was looking forward very much uh, to uh, what the next exchange was. So, uh, Dave, can you uh, just summarize what Riley said? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. No um, so so what happened was that um, the uh, alderman, Riley, he um, made a motion for all of the um, uh, measures that had just been referred to the rules committee be re-referred to the original designated committee that the clerk had identified. And before he did that, he said, I would like to suspend the rules to make the following motion. And the mayor said, okay, we'll suspend the rules. And then Riley made that motion. And then uh, the mayor was about to order it, and Beale said, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't do that. And uh, so they had a vote on whether that they can do that. And uh, turns out it passed. So uh, that Riley was able to then – so Beale was getting back at Riley. Riley was able to turn around and stuff it back to uh, Beale. So, so, uh, so in other words, I wasn't aware of this. In other words, every at every city council meeting, every time an ordinance is sent to rules, uh, it's possible to have a vote to send it back immediately back from rules. To I believe this is un, this, I believe this is unprecedented. And as I say, Alderman Riley moved to suspend the rules when he made this motion, which invites the question: Well, if you're suspending the rules and then you're doing uh, you're creating a motion, what rules apply? You know, it's yeah. just kind of it's kind of like you know this very. Uh, sort of arbitrary, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, another word that starts with an A. Uh, uh, what are the group of people who uh, don't like hierarchy? They are called... Uh, Anarchists. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it was like anarchy. <laughs> anarchy. Uh, yeah. Well, well it's, it's interesting. It's anarchy uh, in the service of... Oh, I don't know. The monarchy. And this seems to be our theme for the day. Uh, it's the anarchy. It's anarchy. Yes. In the service of the queen. And uh, I, I, I have to say that, and we've discussed this many times in the show, uh, but uh, Anthony Beale and uh, Alderman Raymond Lopez at the 15th Ward uh, were strong supporters of Mayor Rahm. And they 
did, did not uh, take kindly to Lori Lightfoot's comments and her uh, opening. What was it? Her uh, when, when she was at her inauguration, the speech she gave where she turned on the city council. And so they have used their knowledge of the Chicago city council and its rules uh, and its parliamentary procedure uh, to, to sort of like needle her, provoke her, uh, push back against her, try to limit her power. And I, re- and I, again, I welcome that because I, I agree with Kat and Zara. It's not supposed to be a queen on the throne. We're supposed to have a democracy and there should be oversight of the mayor. Well, Beal was so Beal was so fed up with um, this situation. You know, he tried again to resurrect those two ordinances at the October twenty-five meeting, which again failed. And after that, he made a threat of sorts, which he explained to me after the meeting in an interview. Listeners can hear that interview with Alderman Beal in the extended version of this episode found at the Inside Chicago Government website, shygov.com. It's an interesting, uh, uh, as I say, sort of threat that he made. Well, and I just want to finish uh, my point. Uh, it's clear that the, to watch uh, Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot emerge victorious from these individual uh, procedural matters uh, to make the following claim. So it's not even an opinion. This would fall under the Dave Glowatsian terms fact uh, that she has more control over the Chicago City Council than either Ray Lopez or uh, Anthony Beal. And, uh, you know, there's all that conjecture as to whether uh, we're going back to the days of council wars, whether it be a strong council and a weak mayor. And I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. Uh, what is it? Uh <sighs> two years into Mayor Lori Lightfoot's reign, that the mayor is in charge. She's named all the council chairs. The council chairs have not rebelled against her in any way. Uh, And furthermore, push comes to shove. More often than not, the city council votes whichever way she wants. In fact, it's usually generally news if they vote against her. And then things are quickly rectified. So Chicago um, is, how do I put it? It's very satisfied with the strong mayor, uh, relationship in regards to the city council and it's carrying on. It's a, it's a different style than Rahm Emanuel had. And maybe there are more no votes uh, than Rahm Emanuel faced, but by and large, I think it's safe to conclude. It's not uh, opinion. This is factoid. Uh, the mayor wins far more than she loses when it comes to Chicago. See, Dave, I'm going to try to be more like you. Okay. And just state everything as a fact, as opposed to an opinion. Yeah, so you're not gonna, that's not going to last. <laughs> Instead of saying, what a bunch of, what a bunch of lapdogs, I'm going to say, well, you know, uh, it seems as though, based on my observation, the mayor wins more than she loses. I commend you. I commend you for your aspiration. <laughs> All right. Very good. Do you have any more? Or one is that more, one, one more? Go ahead. Dennis, please, we'll do move next. Um, now we'll go to the October 25 city council meeting. As usual, towards the meeting's end, a city clerk staffer read a bunch of introduced measures and their associated committee assignments. For only a few of these did Alderman call a different committee, which caused the measures, as we talked before, to be sent to the Rules Committee. At the end of the meeting, Southside Alderman Ray Lopez of the 15th Ward made a motion. Let's listen. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. I move that all items previously sent to Rules Committee be re-referred to their original committee. Leave the chair. Um, motion is out of order. <laughs> Madam President, this is the same motion that Alderman Riley used last month when all items were sent to rules. It's actually not the same motion. 
Then um, I, you have to, you, there's... Then I would move to temporarily suspend the rules right. to re-refer these items. There you are. There's a motion on the floor. <laughs> By a roll call to, vote, please. I move to lay it on the table. I think the roll call for, comes first. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is a motion on the floor to suspend the rules in order to, and correct me here if I'm wrong, Alderman Lopez, a motion on the floor to suspend the rules in order to move anything that was sent to rules to the designated committee. Is that correct? To re-refer them to their original committees, yes. All right, that is a, the, the motion that's on the floor. We will have a roll call vote. So everyone's clear, the motion pending is to suspend the rules. All the, all to suspend the rules. So we've got to do step by step. The first motion is to suspend the rules to consider whether or not we can send these items to the originally designated committee. So Alderman Lopez, it seems to me, is testing whether he could do what Alderman Riley did. Yeah. It turns out he lost the vote. So uh, proving my point. Oh, proving my point. Yes, the mayor runs the city council. Ray Lopez does not run the city council. No, he was he votes. was technically not as clever. Like he first of all made the motion to send the stuff away, you know, back from rules. He first should have made a motion, I think, to I move to suspend the rules so I can make a motion before tipping his hand, but he didn't do that. I see. Well, you know, parliamentarian Dave Glowatz now giving advice to Raymond Lopez. Uh, I think he would have failed no matter what he did. He could have stood on his head. He could have juggled. Uh-oh, I'm leaving the realm of just the best. <laughs> <laughs> he could have juggled. He could have sang a song. He could have done his Bob Dylan imitation. And he still would have lost. Okay, though, I don't think it's a matter of how he phrased it as he opened it. I think the issue is pretty clear. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot controls the city council, not the other way around. And so all that talk about the city council uh, revolting uh, and controlling the mayor, it was exaggerated. And I think that'll be on dem uh, definitely demonstrated tomorrow, uh, Dave, when the city council votes on the mayor's budget. Uh, my sources tell me that she expects upwards of 35 yes votes. And all she needs, all she needs, ladies and gentlemen, 26 and she gets her budget. What was it last year? Last year was like, I can't remember. Was it 26 that she got 27? I can't remember. I think it was, it was a little higher than that. Maybe 20. Yeah, there was like the, there was always a vote where they vote to raise the taxes. Somebody votes against that. And then they come to the budget vote. And um, so there's essentially the, the revenue side and then there's the expense side. Yeah. So this one's so, two uh, But whatever. It was, it was, it was a closer vote than it usually is. And, uh, and so they was like the mayor said uh, she's lighting up her cigar and having a steak and a, a brandy anyway. So she's probably going to have two good cigars, three steaks and four brandies because she's going to win by more. And two helicopters and two helicopters. Yeah, I live in that neighborhood, so I hear them all the time. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's the price you pay for living next to the mayor. All and right. Not, I think I was here before she was just saying. Uh, that is a great job as always, Dave Glowatz, inside Chicago government. And before we let you go, Dave, why don't you give folks uh, all they need to know, all the info they need to know uh, to follow all the good work you do uh, at inside Chicago government. Take it away, young man. As I said earlier, if folks want to hear an extended version, an extended version of this episode on the October City Council wrap up, they can find that at shygov.com. You can follow Inside Chicago Government at Facebook by going to facebook.com slash inside G-O-V. And on Twitter, at C-H-I-G-O-V-T. And finally, I want to thank you, and I want to thank Dennis, 
for indulging my obsession. And I apologize for the technical problems that I believe I caused. And uh, hope to talk to you folks again soon. Yes, we'll talk to you really soon. Tomorrow is a city council vote, and uh, we'll probably bring, uh, well, I shouldn't say this because Dave may go, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> the man, hey, I'm not a monarch on the throne, okay? I'm not the queen on the throne, the king on the throne. Dave Glowatz has rights too, all right? He could tell me, oh, Ben, I don't want to do that. And I'm not, li- not going to send him to the rules committee. Dave, you're going to the rules committee. I would like to go to the Rules Committee. <laughs> we have a democracy in the Bendorovsky show. We work together in collaboration, the great Dave Glowatz and myself. So, Dave Glowatz, thank you very much for uh, doing a great job, in my humble opinion, except for that one. Uh, now, I'm really curious about that one exchange. Maybe we'll play it some other time. I think I'm going to invite Raylo back in the show and play back the Raylo uh, bit and get his uh, – his thoughts and views in that. That would, that would be, be fun. fun. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you very much, Dave Gloetz. And I uh, also want to thank the man, Myth and Legend, Pride of Joe Vault, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Dave Gloetz, Ray Lopez, and Anthony Beal will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. I want an answer. Hey friends, are you ready for government to dictate and control your lives again? You're one step closer, JB Pritzker, our tyrannical dictator. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.